Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. I'm Anastasia, as always. Morgan's with me. Say hi, Morgan. Hi, Morgan. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And today's episode is Grimlove versus the Rottenberg Cannibal, a.k.a. Armin Mives. Mives? Mives? How did you say it, Morgan? Mivis. We just just talked about this, and I'm still butchering it as always. (laughs) Right on. We got to follow that that path. Yeah, if we ever do a French one, I'll nail it. Nail it. No, I won't. I'll pronounce every last letter. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Okay. So, what did you, uh, tell me some thoughts of this film for you. It was pretty spot on, I'd say. Um, I thought it was pretty well made, actually. It was, I I agree, it was well made, it was well acted. Um, it's deplorable only in the sense that it covers... A cannibal. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's it's pretty sick. Um, yeah. Which is... Spoiler... Oh, what? Oh, I was going to say, spoiler alert, this is probably not the last cannibal we're going to cover. <laughs> I thought you were about to say spoiler alert for the movie, and I'm like, uh, I think they know. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of our whole shtick. We spoil the entire movie for you. Yeah, so we're... You... Spoilers. Yeah, so if you think you want to watch this, but you haven't, go watch it now and then come back and listen to this. Okay? Okay. 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 Or if you don't give a shit, um, then just listen to us now. Hey, hey, hey. All right, so 
Let's get down to the nitty-gritty of the cast. It stars the lovely Carrie Russell as Katie Armstrong, who is an American student studying in Germany. And her thesis happens to be on the cannibal killer, Oliver Hartwin, who is essentially Armin Mives. Or Mives. I don't know. Mives. Mives. She's going to keep doing that, and it's Mavis. fine. Just call Mavis. Mavis. <laughs> I don't like, think it's Mavis. Like the, like the lady who taught you to type back in the day? Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, God. Mavis? Mavis. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thomas Kreischman. It was that pretty good? Yeah. I think it was good. Okay, Thomas, Thomas Kreischman. Kreischman. Look at me. It sounded German. All right. The Germans who are listening to this are like, no, honey, no. Completely wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Thomas Kreischman, uh, he plays Oliver Hartwin, which, again, is essentially – Mives. Oh, you cut out. Say that again. Mives. No, you cut out like completely talking about the director. Oh, no. Um, Thomas Kreischmann plays Oliver Hartwin, who is essentially Armin Mives. Oh. Yeah, I didn't realize that was... The names were different. Yes, they are. They're all different. (laughs) For 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 reasons that will become more clear later. Um, Tomas Hoover plays Simon Grombeck, who is essentially um, Midas's victim, who is uh, give me that long name again. Ooh, let me go back to it. Hold on. <laughs> Bernd Jürgen Armando Brandes. Yes. From this point on, we're just going to call him Brandes, though. Or burned. Burned. Maybe? Brandes. Oh, I feel like his last name will be easier to do. Okay. Brandes. Yes. So, we're just going to call him Brandes from this point on. But, yeah, so... Thomas Huber plays Simon Grombach, which is essentially the victim, Brontes. Um, I would go through the rest of the cast list, but it's not, okay, not that these actors aren't important, but they're all small parts, and they're really not that important. The main three people that you're going to want to know, obviously, is the lovely Carrie Russell, Thomas Kreischmann, and Thomas Huber. Now, a uh, little background on the director. It was directed by Martin Weiss, who also, uh, okay, so Martin Weiss actually has an interesting career. He has directed over 350 music videos. That's what he's known for. Not He's not known for direct, making movies. He's known for... Yeah, he's known for music videos. He's directed music videos for Puff Daddy, Nickelback, Brandy, <laughs> and L.O. Oh, oh, cool J. A real mixed bag. He's also, yeah. yeah. He's also done, um, like, commer- commercials. 
Um, as far as other movies that he's made, I'm just going to list his second film, which is another horror movie. He did the remake sequel, The Hills of Eyes 2. So it's the sequel to Alexander Aja's remake of Wes Craven's The Hills Have Eyes. There you go. Nice. I didn't know that. Yeah, I saw the remake of The Hills Have Eyes with my dear friend Andy in high school. Um, I I feel like we probably dragged someone else with us, but I cannot tell you who it was. Because we were the ones who were all excited about the... Oddly enough, cannibalistic gore. Mm. You have a thing. <laughs> you know, it's not really us. I would argue that it's the director. He's the one who directed two movies with cannibalism. Oh, my God, yeah. Right? Oh, I wonder if that Brandy video has some cannibalism in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that... that do you remember that song that Brandy and Monica had about them fighting over a boy? Like, the boy is mine? Yeah. <laughs> what was that? What? Like early 2000s? What? Maybe even late 90s, honestly. We're old people. Um, no, of our target demographic. Our ta- I can't talk today. Our target demographic is actually around our age, so what am I talking about? But. Uh, wouldn't it be hilarious, though, if at the end of the video you find out that Brandy murdered and ate Monica? <laughs> He's mine. <laughs> You'll never have you and you, You'll be forever with me. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> uh, that would be a fun turn of events. Mm. <laughs> if only. <laughs> Martin Weiss, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as I was saying, Carrie Russell plays Katie Armstrong, who chooses to do her thesis on Oliver Hartwin. Um, over the course of the film, she becomes obsessed with his story. Obsessed. And she really romanticizes their relationship. She make they make it she makes it in her mind and they make it in the movie to be like a grim love story. But in reality, they weren't in love, you know. He found them on a cannibal website. You know, he didn't know him yeah. for very long before he ate him, so they were not in love. Yeah, and it was a pretty quick, quick thing. Yeah, absolutely. And in the movie, even, um, Simon has a boyfriend. <laughs> and he even, like, at one point, they're in the car, because he, he can't, he's like, the pills aren't kicking in that he takes, and he's freaking out. And he's like, take me back. So they drop him back off, and he's like, I can't do this to my boyfriend. He deserves better. So, yeah, it's just not a love story. <laughs> yeah, not at all. Yeah. But um, another thing that definitely does not happen in reality, well, basically, Katie's character doesn't exist. There was no grad student who gets way too deep into it that we know of. 
And um, she definitely doesn't discover a snuff tape, which does happen in the film. She watches the crime. Now, there is a snuff tape that of this happening, but the police did not release it to the public. That would be incredibly uncouth. Yeah, there are, there are apparently some screenshots out there, though. I'm sure there's screenshots because people are gross and they like to watch fucked up things. Look, we've all been on 4chan once in a while, right? <laughs> or like, what is it, Faces of Death or something? No. What is it? Oh, my God. Rotten.com and Faces of Death, yeah. I mean, I've never been there or anything, you know. Okay. That <laughs> brings me to something, actually. Um, yes. So, there's a scene in the movie where they basically talk about, and I don't know why they don't just call it Faces of Death. Maybe they couldn't get, like, a um, release of that or something. Um, or they didn't get permission to talk about the actual like Faces copyright. of Death. Yeah, I don't know. Um, but they basically talk about, I forgot what they called it, pictures of death or something in the film. But they mention something similar to Faces of Death in the movie, um, just kind of offhandedly. And I thought this would be a perfect time to, uh, if you don't know what Faces of Death are, to tell you a little bit about Faces of Death. We're going to call this dark. the heart. Yeah, we're going to call it the Horror Education Corner. <laughs> nice. We need a theme yeah, song. <laughs> well, it's a little late for that, but we'll we'll, we'll see. <laughs> so, okay, Faces of Death is the thing. It's, okay, it's a compilation film, essentially. And it's that kind of movie that you heard whispers of in junior high or elementary school, like, you know. The weird kid will be like, yo, you seen Faces of Death? Like, as a litmus test to see if you're cool. Um, you used to could rent it, like, from the library or, like, the very dark corners of Blockbuster. Really? But it's not. Yes. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> if you knew where to look, you could. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a freak like me, you could probably find it. Ta-da! Uh, yeah, so Faces of Death came out in 1978. It was directed by John Allen Schwartz, and um, I believe he used a pseudonym, like maybe Coden LeClaire or Le Solaire or something. Um, so it's made documentary-like, and it circles around um, the pathologist Francis B. Gross. Francis B. Gross, so obviously not a real name. Um, and that, and Francis B. Gross is played by Michael Carr. And he's basically like the crypt keeper. Uh, yeah. and he just is sets up and tells you of these stories. Supposedly, there's, this was supposed to be all real footage of death, but it's mostly fake. There might be like maybe one scene that's actually real, but it's largely all recreated fake deaths. But it, it's, it's really low rent, low brow. It's it's obviously it's just a bunch of little short vignettes of gruesome deaths essentially. It's not it doesn't have any really redeeming film qualities. It's just it was one of the video nasties that I know I've mentioned this before on one of the earlier episodes. 
um, it was one of the video nasties that got banned in the UK and whatnot, and I'm sure it might have been banned in other places. So basically, you know, it's just a gruesome for, you know, gru- for gore sake kind of film that, uh, you know, was very, uh, infamous. And there are several sequels that are apparently even worse and lowbrow than the first one. And that's Education Corner. You could probably <laughs> you could you could probably find Faces of Death on the internet somewhere. I'm sure. Oh uh, yeah. yeah, it's so old. It's probably been recreated. I mean, like copied and pasted everywhere. Oh yeah, you could probably find like a Spanish language version with no um, subtitles on like YouTube. <laughs> I'm positive of that. Anyway, so that was my little... I think you're right. It's like right... It's right there. (laughs) I'm looking at it. Well, so I am looking for some of these harder-to-find horror movies for the podcast. Have noticed that you can find a lot of movies with no English subtitles in another language on YouTube. And if you're multilingual, that's pretty handy. But if you can barely speak your second language and are mostly only fluent in English, it's not very helpful. (laughs) So darn, it's not helpful for us. (laughs) But yeah, so I'm not going to go again, kind of like last time, because shit's pretty gruesome. I'm going to give you a synopsis and not go over too many details, because we're going to have to go through it all over again on Morgan's End. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty nasty. It is pretty nasty. So largely, I'm just going to tell you fun tidbits and some other things. Um, But yeah, so it just follows her, you know, she's meeting with her friends at some point. She tells them what she's doing. And then you see her go to the actual house. She's trying to find it, and one of the neighbors comes out and's like, oh, you're one of those, like, horror groupies looking for uh, the house. It's what's right over there. She breaks in to the killer's old house. <laughs> that- I would, sorry, I just want to interject here. I would be so afraid as, like, you know, a U.S. citizen studying for your, um, what is it, doctorate degree? Was it doctorate or graduate studies in a it's foreign just- country? And then breaking and entering and then trespassing, like, you could get, I don't know, maybe I'll walk on the safe side of life, but. Thank you. Um, never mind the fact that you might get murdered by someone. You don't know who's in that house. Yeah, or murder. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you could definitely get deported and probably there goes your your doctorate. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I don't know. Yeah, I probably just ask someone to see it. Yeah, I think at that point, um, she was already going down that obsessive path where her judgment was clouded. You kind of have to be to break into a convicted cannibal's home. (laughs) I don't care that he's in jail and he's not in there. That's just fucking creepy. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, especially alone in a foreign country. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Now, if I got permission from like the realtor 
to like walk around in there. That's one thing. I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind doing that. But she's gonna walk through the window and just like crawls in. Yeah. No, no way. Um, during this scene when she does all that, she has a lot of flashbacks and that basically just shows him perusing. It shows like his past, like when he's a little boy and like some of his trauma. And then it shows him perusing on the internet, looking for victims and whatnot. And eventually all the flashbacks catch up to where she obtains the snuff film. And then you basically just watch her. It's kind of like you're watching the crime through her eyes, sort of, because it has little flashes of her actually watching it on the TV and just sobbing and freaking out. Like, if it was upsetting me that much, I'd just turn it off. Yeah. <laughs> but she just trucks through all the way. And honestly, it's kind of painful to watch her do that because, like, Carrie Russell's a really good actress, and she looks like she's just dying watching that. Yeah. Yeah, honestly. What? That's like the end, right? Yeah, that's right near the end. Like I said, I was going to heavily gloss over because, like, again, it's a pretty, the way they cover the crime is pretty faithful to what happens. So we're just going to cover the actual crime for redundancy's sake. And so you don't have to hear about a penis getting partially bitten off twice. Yeah. Okay? It's better for us all. With the video thing, she, like, oh, my God, she meets someone online in a cannibal she forum. She does. She she obtains the snuff film from a rando on the cannibal forum, which is extremely dangerous. Yeah, he's like, what's your address? And she's like, <laughs> I'm alone. <laughs> yeah, it's bananas. <laughs> the shit is bananas. It is. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. <laughs> I could sing the whole song. I, I love Gwen Stefani. But <laughs> I mostly love her earlier career during her No Doubt ska phase. I'm not, oh, as big yeah. in, I'm not as big into the, like, poppy stuff, but I love her. Fuck yeah. I yeah. like her uh, her head jewelry from the, from the 90s. Oh, the, um, God, what do they call that? When she would rock the, uh, the, the Indian. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember what they're called either. Forget uh, it. We're not crazy. I know. I, we are. Like, we <laughs> both, both definitely know what that's called. We're just having a brain meltdown. Don't mind us. Um, so, um, in lieu of giving you double grossness, I'm going to tell you some fun facts and as far as other pop culture that uh covers this story fuck yeah and i love morgan, fun facts yeah and then morgan's gonna tell you about fucking the gross crime Ugh. so several different singers have written songs about our man armin maivez uh we will definitely post this on the instagram but romstein has a song called mind tell and it's actually a total banger it's a great song but uh 
it's again, it's about Maivez and the Maivez case. Um, it was restricted to only airing after 11 p.m. on MTV Germany. Oh, wow. Cause, yeah, because it's actually the music video is actually pretty gnarly. Yeah. Yeah, watch it. It is. It's pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, Marilyn Manson, one of his albums, uh, was, uh, in honor of my vest, uh, the title being Eat Me, Drink Me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember uh, reading that. I never knew that until researching this. Uh, I, I knew that actually. There's a couple of songs on that album that I don't hate. Just, just saying. Not a big, I'm not a big Marilyn Manson fan, but like some of his songs are catchy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Swedish death metal band Bloodbath wrote a song called Eaten that, uh, voices Brondus. Oh, Brondus. really? So yeah, it's from they, his no, perspective? Yes. It voices his desire to be eaten. And like him witnessing being eaten. <laughs> That's the perspective that it's in. Oh wow. Um, yep. Uh and more famously, as far as like someone you'll know a little bit better than the last one I just named, um, Ozzy Osbourne this year released his twelfth studio album called Ordinary Man that included a song called Eat Me that was inspired by Armin Mivet. Damn, a little late, Ozzy, but good for you. <laughs> Bro is popular. Uh, in television, season two, episode three of the IT crowd, titled Moss and the German, parodies the MyVest case. In fact, Morgan, you watched this, what, yesterday, right? Yeah, it's so funny. I like the IT crowd. It's Andrew a good show. got me into it. Yeah, it's a good show. Tell them the uh, synopsis of what happened. <laughs> So, um, all the main two characters, they're in a spat because they're pretty much like a husband and wife, but they're both dudes. They work together. Um, so one of them wants to go watch a movie with another guy or like to see other people pretty much is like a joke. And, um, they get this idea like, oh, well, maybe I should start a hobby. And he's like looking online in this forum, like trying to meet people. And there's an ad um, for a cookery course or something. Oh, right. What, he said, I don't remember what the uh, what they say, but he he said it's like a German cookery course. And he's like, yeah, I can learn how to make German food. So then when he gets there, he realizes that the German doesn't want to teach him how to cook. He wants to cook him, but the German labeled the ad wrong because he's not good in English. So instead of, I want to cook with you, he says, I want to cook you. <laughs> yeah. You know what that makes me, you know what that makes me think of? It makes me think of the classic Twilight Zone episode where these aliens come and they turn um, Earth into a utopia. But the whole time while they're doing all this, 
um, the Americans are frantically trying to um, translate this book that the aliens had given them. And at the very end of the episode, um, after a bunch of humans are going back to with the aliens to their home planet to like as tourism, essentially, they find out that uh, the book says to serve. Well, actually, they've known that the book says to serve man, but they thought it was like a servant kind of thing. In actuality, it's a cookbook. <laughs> Classic Twilight Zone. I need to watch that episode. It's a good one. I mean, I just ruined it for you. Sorry, everyone. But our whole show just spoils things. Yeah. Spoiler to, alert. <laughs> you, just have, you just have to enjoy these things um, knowing that I told you. Yeah. Makes it so much but, better. But you know what? Considering this episode of The Twilight Zone came out in mm, the 60s, I don't, yeah. feel super, I don't feel super mad about it. Yeah. Like, it's also like a really famous episode that been spoiled for plenty of people before me so again don't feel bad about it okay yeah. uh, I mean I just watched Harry Potter and like Snape kills Dumbledore I thought okay so I never read the Harry Potter books sorry um I just started reading them by the way um but what? I, yeah I know I didn't even watch I'm just I'm just I, kidding I I read yeah. those books when I was a child yeah, so Andrew has been pretty jealous because um, I never watched any of the movies and I never read any of the books when I was a kid. Um, I just, yeah, I was just like, uh, this children's play because I was so cool. I was an idiot. But anyway, so so the Snape kills Dumbledore thing, I thought it was a joke. And then, like, it really happened. And I was like, what? I thought it was a joke. And Andrew was like, that was the whole thing. It was a spoiler. Like Snape kills Dumbledore. And I was like, it went over my head. I never understood why people said that all the time. And yeah, it was like a fake spoiler. Yeah. I thought it was a fake spoiler. I thought it was like just something people said and I didn't understand it until last year. (laughs) Uh, I read the Harry Potter books. As they came out. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. I was, not to brag, but I was the top reader um, in the accelerated reading program. My God, in, look at you. In my elementary class. Do you have a uh, bumper sticker that says that? Uh, <laughs> God, no. <laughs> but I did win a trip to get food I want to say it was pizza and a trip to Barnes and Noble with a with a gift certificate to buy a book and uh yeah but while we were there this brand new book had come out and it was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone that's the British that's the British version oh I have the Scottish version of that book and it is hilarious to read yeah because it's is it like in scottish vernacular yes and it's great my friend bought it for me because she realized i was just starting to read them and she was like read this one and it's hilarious because i half the time i have no idea what they're talking about i yeah. probably got through like two chapters before i was like this is just coddle poop <laughs> <laughs> well yeah uh it's the book that the um, bookstore 
clerk read us the first chapter of was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. And uh, I bought a copy of it that day, and I bought every new book the day it came out from that point forward. Weird. Well, I'm just... It's a wildly popular book. Like, I'm not in the minority here. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. But if you're into Harry Potter, and just to our listeners and to you, if you're into Harry Potter, the Scottish version of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone is amazing. It's so great. So if you're a fan and you want to be more cultured and learn about Scottish speak, uh, go get it. Scottish speak? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what you call it, but it is coddle like poop. Scott- Scottish slang? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got off on a tangent again. So. <laughs> Cannibals and Harry Potter. Wow. Woohoo! <laughs> Okay, so um, Midas was also mentioned or referenced in an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, <laughs> which is an American sitcom starring the lovely Andy Samberg. Um, his character, Jake Peralta, makes friends with a cannibal in prison named Caleb, and this happens in Season 6, Episode 17, and Jake arrests a murderer that he found through a cannibal forum that Caleb recommended. So it's a, it's very it's it's not a huge reference but it kind of references uh Mavis. Um, also, I don't know if anyone's ever watched this British TV show, but I'm a huge fan. Um, it's called Peep Show. Fuck yeah, I love Peep Show. Yes. Oh, I love Peep Show. Kudos. Peep Show's fantastic. Um, it stars the the comedy team um, David Mitchell and Robert Webb. And they're hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's season four, episode four, uh, Peep Show. It's titled Handyman. And um, David Mitchell's character, Mark, warns Robert Webb's character, Jeremy, that something's bad, that something bad is going to happen to Jeremy if he continues working for a man only known as the Orgazoid. And then he mentions that he might invite a German off the internet to eat him. (laughs) (laughs) I might just, (laughs) I can't, I can't do their voices, but he says, I might just invite a German off the internet to eat him. (laughs) Yeah. uh, Mark's, I don't know what Mark's, um, what exactly his English, like, accent would be. (laughs) Yeah. You're like, I want to say you sound too sophisticated for his accent. <laughs> he also has a gruffer voice, but he definitely, in one of their shows, he definitely does say baddies. Yeah. It's the uh, one where uh, they're like the Nazis, and he's like, we've got skulls on her. That's from another show they're in. No, that's from their sketch show, but that's the exact scene I was thinking in. Yeah. They're, both Nazis, they're both Nazis, and at some point they <laughs> each other and realize, wait, are we the baddies? And he's like, uh, Hans, we have skulls on our uniforms. <laughs> of course we're the baddies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Guys, I cannot recommend, uh, that Mitchell and Webb look. That's their sketch show. Yeah, I that's can't, it. I can't recommend that 
and Peep Show Higher. They're fantastic. Those yes. guys are hilarious. I'm so glad they mentioned it in their show. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in an interview with Pitchfork, um, Eric Andre, who – do you know who Eric Andre is? Yeah, he's uh, from – I know who Eric Andre is. He's <sighs> – he's a- He's an absurdist comedian that had a show on Adult Swim called The Eric Andre Show. It might still be on, actually. Um, But, yeah, he's an absurdist comedian. But in this interview with him, um, he makes reference to Maivez and says, I want to see an episode where Wile E. Coyote violently and savagely tears Roadrunner apart, eats him alive, you know, cuts his dick off and barbecues it like that German computer technician did to that guy he found on Craigslist. <laughs> God, that's so fucked up. He did not find him on Craigslist, Eric Andre. It was the cannibal forum. Get it right. Yeah. <laughs> Which is now defunct. Thank God. Doesn't exist anymore. Yes. Thank- thankfully. Um, so, my last little fun tidbit into this is in 2014 there was a off-Broadway, I guess it's not really off-Broadway, it was in a Los Angeles theater, but a play called Taste that won awards um, was released and it was um, written by screenwriter Benjamin Brand and it was directed by Stuart Gordon. Now if you're thinking Hey, I've heard that name Stuart Gordon before. That's because he directed the cult classic horror film Reanimator, which is an adaptation of H.P. Lovecraft's story. He also directed several other H.P. Lovecraft adaptations. So that's where you would hear Stuart Gordon from. He is like a horror directing legend, essentially. Um, but yeah, he directed this play that's basically. Um, yeah, like the cannibal play about Maivas called Taste. So that's a fun little tidbit. Neato. I love fun facts. Me too. Um, so I think that's kind of all my fun facts that I have, uh, on Armin Maivas. Yeah, basically... People, especially, apparently especially comedies and metal musicians fucking love to reference this guy. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot. I was looking at all, I was like, damn, really yeah. in the cannibal culture and the, the black death metal world. Popular guy. Um it's not going to happen anytime soon, but we definitely are going to cover, um, I can't remember his name at the moment, but we're going to cover another infamous cannibal at some not, somewhere on down the line. He's one of the cannibals from the Donner Party. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You made a Take movie out of that? Uh, yeah. It's called Ravenous. Mm. Sorry, spoiler. We just spoiled yeah, it. It says Robert Carlyle, who you would recognize as play. Um, he was on that show on ABC, Once Upon a Time. 
Mm. He played like the trickster dude from the Rapunzel story. Sorry, I'm not up to date on my um. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I didn't, I didn't get into it. No, I don't. I'm just not into that kind of thing. I could never get into that show because basically fairy tale soap opera. No thanks. Yeah. I can tell you right now that this is another one of those things where Anthony is probably going to be like, but Anna, I love that. <laughs> He's becoming a regular on this show without him actually being on the show. You're we, welcome. There's Carnival Row, though. That's pretty sweet. It's like a fairy tale mm. thing. That's also like, but that's also like, um, dark. I was going to say it's also like, uh, um, like a circus, though, right? No. No? No, it's like set back in the 1800s, kind of. Uh, It's like in a different world, I guess, where there are different magical creatures, and they're pretty much seen as another race. So it's like... Oh, okay. It's kind of nodding to racism and uh, anti-Semitic... Sorry, I'm drinking gin. Anti-Semitic... Anti-Semitism? <laughs> Anti-Jew, sort of, like that reference. So it's pretty good. Like, they end up putting them into a camp and stuff. So okay. <laughs> I drank okay. this really strong drink already. And I'm hopped up on painkillers, so we're quite the very day, guys. <laughs> I'm sorry. I had to drink a strong drink to get through this because, I mean, I've – to be honest, I've been researching this for so long. I just feel like I need to take a shower, all, like, all the time. Um, and puppy and kitty love all the time. Like, I've been watching a lot of eye bleaches, like, puppy shows. I've been following new animal videos on Instagram. Like, this is some some dark, dark stuff that is, I don't want to say it's, like not natural but it is so just taboo as fuck and it's it's fucked with me for real this one has really got to me yeah i would love to say that i've also been watching lots of eye bleach and like processing this healthily but (laughs) no i've been marathoning law and order criminal intent so Yeah, I've actually been staying away from crime podcasts. I've been listening to happy-go-lucky ones instead because this is just some dark shit, and I've been researching it for a while, and I got on, like, I guess, like, uh, the dark web or something, and it's really just disturbing. <laughs> oh, I know. It There's is. Like it is underground really subculture. Yeah, it's pretty fucked. <laughs> Super fucked. Yeah. Um, Shit, what was I going to say? I don't remember. It's not important. All right, so with uh, no fanfare, but uh, Morgan, let's plunge into this darkness. Okay, I'm going to take another sip of that good shit. Um... Oh, I know what I was going to say. I'm sorry. I was going to say, if you guys are wondering why I'm hopped up on pain pills, it's not because this is incredibly dark. <laughs> no, I have an incredibly painful sty and a bum knee. So. 
Yeah. Full disclosure, guys. I'm just old and decrepit and falling apart. <laughs> well, All right, Morgan. Yeah. Take it away, Morgan. I hope your knee gets better, but I just wanted to um, do a shout out to Drum Shambo Gunpowder Irish Gin. That's the real good shit. So if you're into gin or classy alcohol and you got about 50 bucks, I would suggest you buy a bottle because it's freaking nice. Anyway, you know what my favorite gin is? What is it? Aviation gin. Aviation gin. Mm-hmm. I think I um, it, it's it is it's owned by the lovely Ryan Reynolds. Oh my god. I that's where I gin. know the name. Yeah, he has a commercial for it. It's hilarious. Yeah, it's actually a really good gin. Yeah. Like good, I've had it before. Like, yeah, it's like good mid shelf gin. Yeah, Drum Shambo has uh Japanese botanicals in it, so it's like really fine. It's good. Ooh. Anywho just okay, wanted to shout out. Okay, yeah. so uh, I'm just going to start this off with, like, most of this information um, I got from the book Interview with a Cannibal, The Secret Life of the Monster of Rottenberg by Gunther Stampf, edited to English by Pat Brown, which uh, the editor, shout out to Pat Brown, they did a pretty good job. Um, I haven't read the full book, but... If you're into this crime, I guess, like, I guess it's not like a coffee table book or anything. You should probably put it. God, I would hope not. Yeah, you probably should, you know, keep it away from, like, the glamorous bookshelf. Probably put keep it in your room or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but it's a pretty good book. Um, it dives deep into who... N- my Vez is as a person and where he came from um, and also gives a lot of insight into the trials and the expert testimony uh, witnesses and and people that came into My Vez and um, Brandis, Brandis life. Um, so, yeah, check it out if you're into true crime and uh, like, you know, serial killer interviews because it all you know takes place in the jail because he's in jail for life um he also said yeah. he wanted to write an autobiography would tell people um if they have the same kind of feelings that he did to go get help because he said he didn't get help and it led him to kill someone so mm-hmm. yeah a lot of this came from this book um but like um Anna said before, like with the beginning of the movie when you can see Maivez like chasing the car down. Well that actually did happen. Uh Maivez was playing hide and go seek with a friend and he heard the car start up and he knew that his dad was leaving because his dad had given him a, given him a note a week before. Um so he was like He's probably leaving. He's going to leave me. Uh, you know, being that young and being eight and thinking, oh, my dad's leaving forever. Like that shows some, you know, true like uh, fear of abandonment, especially at eight. So chases his dad's car down. He leaves him in the dust 
And in the interview, he seems pretty bitter about it still. Like, he thinks maybe his life would have turned out way different if his dad didn't decide to leave or if his dad would have taken him with him. Um, and at the time, his dad was 29 and his mom was 48. Uh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> so that's a 19-year age difference. So that means... When his his dad was twenty one when he had him, uh, and his mom was forty or thirty nine, so huge age difference. Like the woman mom was a cougar. Eh, no, she was a psychopath uh, who pretty much psychopath conned him cougar. into marrying her. Yeah, no, she she bought the house where the crimes were committed, and it was like. I, I can't remember how many rooms were in. I think it was like 48 rooms or something. She bought this house with land to make it look like, you know, she had money, but it was all a front. Like, she just bought the house, like, pretty much to con him. Or that's what people say in in this book um, and people in court have said. But the dad ran away with a 25-year-old woman who was closer to his age and just dipped and never came back. Um, the mom had been, huh? Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, an overbearing, crazy woman. She like, she was so crazy that she would send like anonymous messages to his work because he was gone for work all the time and just to make him look bad. And they were later like traced back to her. That she was trying to sabotage his job so he would stay home more. Um, Psychotic. (laughs) Yeah, she was married three different times um, and had three different kids. Uh, Mivis was the youngest by her third husband. And he had two other stepbrothers that were pretty much like way older than him. Um And they eventually left because she was crazy. And they didn't even realize that all three of them had different dads until the the third third husband left. Um, The older two thought they were just blood brothers, not half brothers. Because she lied and pretended like, oh, no, your dad left. Like, they didn't even know because they were so young. Um, Well, that, that part is psychotic. But I will not vilify the woman for having kids with all different dads. No. Because uh, <clears throat> me and my siblings all have different fathers. No. No. I'm not <laughs> saying – I'm just saying she was so fucking crazy. All no, I know. Her husband just dipped. Like all – never even spoke to her again because they were so terrified. Like one husband, she reported to the health department – saying that his new girlfriend was a hooker and she had various venereal diseases. So they ended up, like, storming the house because she made it seem like he was running a a nasty brothel. And, like, this was all in court documents. Um, Like, she was crazy. Um, She reminded me of Norman Bates' mother. Like, completely (laughs) over... Yeah. Like... Completely overbearing. She was in every aspect of his life, in any man's life. Um, any man that she, any man that she was with, if they slighted her just a little bit, she would try to ruin their life. But I mean, 
she was trying to like I'm going to call it psychologically castrate them pretty much. I don't know if that's a term, but I came up with it. I like, <laughs> like it. So she was a lot like Ed Gein's mother then. Yes, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, you can see where he has this, you know, fucked up view of the world because of his overbearing Absolutely. mom. And I hate yeah. to say that. Like, some people have overbearing, overbearing moms and turn out fine, but this woman Absolutely. was... So, you know, into his life and she'd scare off his friends and girlfriends. And then even. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When he went into the army for service, she would, like, whenever he was, like, you know, out for a weekend or whatever... She would show up and go out with all the people in the service. She would like be his date pretty much. Um, eventually he didn't qualify for duty, probably because his mom was at his hip all the time. And, um, later his, his biological father said he should have tried harder to get him to leave her because she yeah. was so fucking overbearing. Um, but around the same time as his father left and drove away, uh, his half brother went to Berlin to live with his other half brother because he was going off to college. So not only did he lose his dad, he lost his half brother. And then less than a year later, like this is all within a year, less than a year later, his grandma died. So that was pretty much all these close relationships he had. And then he's stuck in this house, this giant house. Like it's, it's from, I think the 1800s or something. It's like 40 rooms or something. So it's like pretty much no one else lived there. So it's just him and his mom. And that was it. So he said, um, in this book, that I mentioned in the interview with a cannibal. He said, I became the only man in the house. And this is when I started to envision an imaginary brother who would never again abandon me. And then he said he wished that his imaginary brother would be inside of him. And I mean, like severe red flags for you know, separation or fear <laughs> of abandonment. You think? 
<laughs> yeah, like a sick, disturbed image of it. And then he said that's around the same time when he was like 10 or 12. He started um, picking like specific classmates and imagining cutting them up and then eating them. So, I mean, this is at 10. He was imagining this stuff. Um, and then, like, uh, the interviewer said, Mr. Mavis, what is being a cannibal to you? And he says, for me, I imagine that the person I eat stays with me forever. It's not about killing or butchering. It is about entering into a relationship. My main fantasy is finding that person who wants to be slaughtered and eaten. Then I wish to disembowel and cut up the human body. I fantasize about the body lying on my table, ready to be sliced up. Then the belly is being cut open. And the individual organs, the heart, the liver, and the stomach are removed. Isn't Tasty. Fucking chilling. <laughs> that is chilling, and uh, kudos to your quasi-German accent there. <laughs> um, I was going to say that the like psychology there behind him saying, you know, that eating them would keep them with him forever reminds me a little bit of serial killer Dennis Nielsen, British serial killer, who he also wanted these men that he would pick up to never leave him, but instead of eating them, he would just kill them and he would leave their bodies around his apartment for us. For as long as he could stand before they were completely um, decomposed. Yeah, wasn't he in uh, the UK? Yeah, I just said that. Oh, yeah, sorry, Jen. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, he started, like, putting them in – the only reason why he got caught, he was, like, putting them in uh, – he was, like, flushing parts of them down the toilet. Yeah, and, that's the only way he got caught. Mm-hmm. It's so fucking stupid. Like, everybody's like, yeah, his house really stunk, but I'm like, that's the smell of death. Like, Yeah, I, I mean, I guess not everyone knows what the smell of death smells like. Well, I don't know what the smell of rotting dead human smells like, but I know what rotting dead, like, roadkill smells like. And I, I imagine it's kind of similar, right? I. I imagine it's similar. I mean, I'm sure it's a slightly different smell, but yeah, who like especially us because we grew up in Mississippi, where there's a lot of just roadkill on the street. And a lot of dead people. Out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a slaughterhouse down there. <laughs> Don't go there. <laughs> We're kidding. It's not that bad. Jk. But there, I I do recall one time um, when I was living with my sister out in the middle of nowhere in Leake County. Um, Ew. I re- yeah, right. <laughs> I, re- <laughs> I recall driving past a cow pasture, and one of the cows was just dead. Ugh. And the, the smell, you could smell the rotting cow corpse for miles. Yeah. 
yeah, it's and it smells like roadkill. And that's what those people are smelling. But like a cow's a big thing. But this guy, like seven people in his house or something. Six. Something crazy like that. Like, how would you not know that, like, bros hoarding bodies? Yeah. Uh. That's not just a guy who hasn't cleaned his house because there's too many pizza boxes. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and we're back. Uh, I'm drinking a Beak and Skiff 1911 Tropical Small Batch Hard Cider. What? That's classy as shit. And Morgan's drinking a PBR. Yeah, a Pat's Blue Ribbon. Who's classier? I'm just kidding. <laughs> hey, it was selected as America's Best in 1893. They have bragging rights. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just a craft beer snob. That's my problem. Oh, oh. well, I'm a, a craft gin snob, so. I mean, I've got gin in the uh, freezer, but it is not as fancy as yours. Mine costs ten dollars for seven hundred and fifty milliliters. Damn, that's just mother's ruin right there. <laughs> you know what? Gets me drunk just the same. <laughs> yeah, gin makes you sin, makes your nature bend. Ow! <laughs> All, All right, right, that's what we were talking about. Back to the master butcher. I mean, for real, like, after I read that whole thing, um, I just thought he would have made a really great neighborhood butcher if he just, you know, shoved that fantasy of his, like, way, way down and maybe started working on slaughtering with animals. He wouldn't sure. have blossomed into this... Uh, notoriously famous cannibal. Um, I mean, maybe, but I don't know if slaughtering animals and ingesting them would be quite the same. Yeah. I mean... I will say this, though. There's a scene in the film where before he finds Simon, he strings up some other guy who backs out eventually... But he has him wrapped in cellophane and literally has all the, like, good pieces of meat drawn with a Sharpie, like, labeled all over his body. Like, he was ready. He knew what he was doing. He had, like, a big piece of, uh, for a steak, like, carved out of his oh, side. Yeah. Like, he uh, knew. He knew the prime cuts. Yeah, that guy's like, oh, I thought you meant you would eat my ass. <laughs> <laughs> no. 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 No, sweetie. I want it. I want to eat you like the tribes eat people in Cannibal Holocaust, bitch. Oh, God. Oh, God. Oh. But, you know, but uh, as a side note, yes. uh, in prison, his job is not in the kitchen, thank God. They put yeah. him in the washroom, so he does laundry now. Good. <laughs> I, I don't think I would feel very good about a cannibal cooking my food. I don't know about you. Between last episode and this episode, there's just some people who never should be in a kitchen. Seriously. <laughs> yes. Okay, so back to this interview. 
uh, the interviewer says, is it, uh, is a great part of your fantasy to search for that special someone? And Vice, uh, oh my god, my Vice, almost called him Viceman. Uh, my Vice says, um, oh, where is it? Oh my god, I just lost it. Okay. Yes, my desire has always been to find a brother whom I could assimilate into myself. That's so fucking creepy. Um, Maybe he would feel okay. I'm sorry. Maybe he would feel okay if they, if they, if he had like a twin in utero that he just absorbed. <sighs> that happens. Right? No, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> no, I, that actually does happen. Like when you're, you know, really small. I mean, you know, when you're still just cells, that happens a lot. Yeah. My um, brother used to joke that he ate his twin because my brother was supposed to be a twin. <laughs> it's pretty okay. fucked up. We all joked about it. I mean, looking back, I was like, oh, well, probably shouldn't have joked about that. But <sighs> to each his own, right? Um, you know, your brother's a special kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. Shout out if you're listening. <laughs> Doubt it. Yeah. Um, but so uh, back to his quote, whom I could assimilate into myself. I searched on the Internet in the forums and I found myself obsessed. The others in the forums and I stoke each other's fantasies. We shared our thoughts and our wish to either be dining on other humans or being the dinner. But this longing, it did not begin on the internet, but when I was a small child. Uh, so him saying that, like, he already had this fantasy. He, oh, yeah. Long before he, the cannibal chat room. Yeah, I mean, he says he was 10 or 12. Um, He would even masturbate to orgasm, imagining cutting up his classmates as victims. He was, Oh, gross. Yeah. From 10 to, like, 18. Because he went to school yeah. with all these people. And it's like his childhood friends. He was imagining cutting them up and, and eating them. That's um, so fun. And makes you look, think twice about your classmates. But there is yeah. a scene in the, there is a longer than it needs to be seen in the film where he is just fapping away to cannibal shit. Yeah. And mm-hmm. he, he's, um, like some court, I don't remember who said it. It was someone in this, in the book. It was like a little excerpt from, um, a court, like, the person. I don't know. It was either a psychologist or so. I don't, I don't know who it was, um, but they they had examined him, and he had said that he came to orgasm when he imagined disemboweling someone. Like that is so fu- ah. Sorry, I need to take another drink. This this one kind of fucked me up, dude. Not gonna lie. Um, just Let's because play a game. Every time Morgan says something about cutting someone up, we drink. <laughs> Yeah, let's make it make it a light light thing. This crime, let's <laughs> make it light. Uh, Daddy, would you like let's, some sausage? It's <laughs> already a true crime horror pod comedy podcast. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're not you know we're not 
making fun of the victims or making light of this situation, but we want to make light of the situation because it's so horrific. And I mean, exactly. don't want to toot, toot our horns to say that, you know, uh, we don't like, you know, comedy and crime, but we do. That's our thing. So whatever. And we're we are hardly the first people to do this. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people out there, but we're we're different. <laughs> but you know, yeah. like with him saying him saying this stuff, like he got on this forum. Um, he 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 says, "I stalk each other's fantasies." Like that just reminds me of like the deep web and like child porn. You know, yeah, absolutely. Like the child, child molesters, like probably wouldn't act on them. I hope not. But then, if they get on this like deep web or whatever, then it's like an echo chamber. You know, like these fantasies just come out, and they're no longer able to suppress them and become bakers or some other non-assuming career. Like you meant. No offense to bakers or anything, but, like... I've seen Sweeney Todd. Yeah, right? Like, you're just <laughs> needing shit all day, and it helps you deal with some dark shit. Um, I know it helps, like, making biscuits helps me with stress, so I don't know Absolutely. if that's, like, a southern I thing. Or maybe. We definitely, <laughs> we, definitely, we definitely both bake to ease anxiety and stress. So. Yeah, it soothes the soul. Absolutely. Um, but anyway, back to the child molester thing. I feel yeah. like, you know, these forums are kind of like a way for people to act on these fantasies, just like him with finding this forum, like, of all things. Well, I guess there's a fucking fetish for everything out there. Um, but, but you being on the, like, kitty porn sites with fellow kitty diddlers or whatever, like, you feel a sense of belonging, and, I mean, he felt a sense of belonging, belonging with the, the cannibals on this forum. And, I mean, Absolutely. it's, it's like an echo chamber, just like, you know, Fox News and far white, right wing, uh, ideology. Right. You feel like because other people are agreeing with you that what you're doing is right. Yeah, or okay. It doesn't yeah. make it right, <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. So, um, back, okay, now to the relationship, or I guess. No, hold on. Sorry. Let's go to the victim. Uh, yes. I have it out of order on here. Sorry. Um, but the victim... Brandes. Yeah, Bernd Jürgen Armando Brandes. Um, so he was employed by the Siemens um, company, which makes elevators, I think. See, Siemens elevators, escalators. Don't they make um, toilet paper, too? They make a lot of stuff. They're yeah. huge. It's a yeah. really big company in Germany. Um, but he was uh, some kind of manager in there. 
Um, but he went on the forum and he met Mivis. He replied to a post that he had posted on the forum, the Cannibal Cafe, and it, which was hosted by Necrobabes.com. And Gross. I mean, I got deep into that shit and I'm deeply disturbed. Like, I'm just going to keep saying that. It's fucked. All right, take a drink. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, they're now defunct, I think, since like 2002. Like, there Thank were, you. there were a couple of murders that came out of necrobabes.com. Actually, one of them was a preacher in, I think it was in Atlanta. No, it wasn't Atlanta. It was, I can't find it. Was he the murderer or the murderee? He was a murderer. It was on mm. Necrobabes because it was like a a snuff site thing sure. that doesn't exist anymore. And some of them may have been real, but he ended up killing. No, it was in Texas. Sorry. Uh, he killed a, a woman in Austin, like, and posted it on there. And he got okay. Cold. It doesn't make it better that's that it's in Texas, but it makes my beloved Atlanta not as much. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it. It wasn't Atlanta. It was Austin, Texas. My bad. But anyway, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, I actually found it on Wayback Machine, the Internet Archive. Um. Hey. There was a lot of information about this and about all of these sites on there, and I went way too deep, and it pretty it was disgusting. Um, they described their website as they state by motion picture standards, the material will be rated hard R. Um, but yeah, none of these exist anymore, but they are on like archive sites. So, so right. the victim or he is a victim. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, it's, it's hard to look at it as a willing participant when he took that many drugs and everything. He may have been True. willing at the beginning. Um, I mean, Mivis, like with the, the defense say that it was a mercy killing because he wanted to die. Um, but that was the defense's side. But anyway. But tell uh, them how, how much he put in his system just to be prepared for this. Okay. So I don't know if it was exactly like the movie because there's different, um, there's different events. Um, and I couldn't find it in the book. Uh, probably should have got it way earlier than yesterday. <laughs> but I know from different sites, um, different news articles, and some things from, uh, I think, Murderpedia, they said he had uh, painkillers. I don't know what kind or how many. 30 mm -hmm. sleeping pills, mm -hmm. like three bottles of wine, and some mm -hmm. schnapps. Mmm, schnapps. Which, I don't know if you've ever had real German schnapps, not that shit you buy in the store um, here I, in the U.S. I have, actually. You have? No, it is strong. It'll knock you on your ass. 
It will. I had peppermint, authentic peppermint schnapps once. Yeah, no, it is, like, I had real peach schnapps one time, and I was drunk, like, wasted after, like, I think three shots. Like, I was done. Um, I'm going to... your big quick... shots, like, sipping shots. Yeah, I'm going to take a small detour and embarrass my poor um, mother. Ooh, do it. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> we... we... Me and the family were playing Cranium once, <laughs> and my my mother and one my mom my mom does not drink much. She she might have one chilled beer on the weekends, maybe two if she's feeling crazy. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> say like chilled beer, and not like out of the refrigerator. So oh no, they, way more no. You, you have to understand. My mom and my stepdad have a system. They put their beer um, on a timer in the freezer. Oh my god! So okay, yeah, way better than literally, frizzing. literally chilled. Um, <laughs> yes. Uh, so, in a rare instance, while we were playing this, she was drinking. I don't remember if it was peach schnapps or what, but she was drinking just the American schnapps, right? Mm-hmm. I she I don't feel like she drank a ton of it, but she drank a certain amount of schnapps. And, um, let's just say she got drunk enough at some point that she was on the floor, rolled over with her legs in the air, like, pretending to be a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> I want to hey, mom. Your mom. <laughs> I, know, I know, right? Sorry, Mom, love you. <laughs> I can't imagine her doing that. <laughs> I know, but, it, yeah, she's... she's She's a goofy lady, but she's normally got it pretty together. But uh, <laughs> we were we were festive that day. That's funny. <laughs> yes. Funny. Anyway. All right, back to uh, horrific crimes. <laughs> yes. Um, nice segue. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, like, Brondis, the the victim. Um, yes. I will call him the victim. Uh, so he met, no, sorry, he worked for Siemens, um, and he was a stand-up guy, apparently. He was actually engaged to this woman who said she was, like, he was, like, the love of her life. Um, they were going to get married, they were planning on having kids, and then, like, six months later, he came out as being gay. Um... And she was shocked by this. She she gave testimony to his purse, you know, like, for him. Um, but immediately after that, he pretty much, like, went to the streets and got into um, picking up prostitutes. He was, like, deep into, um, uh, what did they call it? They called it, like, a prostitution ring. I don't think he was – I couldn't tell if he was prostituting himself or he was getting prostitutes, but a couple of stories that I read that he was picking up people from the streets, um, offering them money. He was really into BDSM. Um, an ex-boyfriend of his said that he wanted him to eat his penis, and he offered him – I can't find – dang it. 
I thought I put it in my notes. I'm sorry. Um, okay. he, he was trying to get this guy that he had accosted online um, to come over and play his Caribbean. Oh, what, what do you call it? Let me. I know it's up here somewhere. Let me see. I just have to quote it right. My bad, people. Um. Maybe I don't have it up here. Um, but anyway, he was trying to get uh, someone to – he was trying to pay someone to bite off his penis. Um, and the guy, his ex-boyfriend, had said that he had offered him up to – I did the math. Let's see the math. Yeah. I did the math um, from 2001 Deutschmarks. He offered him 10,000 Deutschmarks to bite off his penis, which is today's money is around $18,700 in U.S. money. That's a lot of money. Um, Absolutely. That's like serious money, you know, like, hey, bite my penis off. Like, I'll give you. That's like, you know, that's he really really fantasized about being tortured and bitten. Um, and this guy actually testified on the stand. I can't find the dang name of him. It was an ex-boyfriend. Um, and there, he was actually living with another guy. I can't tell if he was the, the boyfriend or a friend of his, but he said he knew him to be into BDSM. Um, so there was a lot of torture fantasy with him and I mean with like the fetish of being bitten like he his ex-boyfriend the one who had testified said he would only come to being like bitten on the penis like right when he had put his teeth he would come um Jeez. Yeah, so there's some deep fetish there. So of course he got on the um the cannibal forum and ultimately met his end by the cannibal forum. Um multiple people answered Mivas's uh ad. A lot of people. Um and a few actually went to his place. Yeah, uh which I mentioned, you know. There was that scene in the movie where they definitely show a guy coming down there. But like Morgan said, oh, I just thought you were going to eat my ass. <laughs> yes. And he didn't want to just eat ass. He wanted to eat just you, just eat you. Um, yeah. So, so, yeah, uh, he met him. I don't. I think it was in March, which is when the the crime occurred. The crime occurred March 9th. But um, I found on the defunct cannibal forum on the Wayback Machine, there's an actual posting. The dates are wrong, but this is what appeared in the court case as well. So I don't know if there was something wrong with the Wayback Machine or somebody else replied on here. Um, 
but it is posted under the name Frankie, titled Young Man Wanted. It says, hi, are you between 18 and 30 years old and have a normal body? And would you like to be slaughtered? Then come to see me. I will do it. Please apply with details of age, height, and weight, preferably with a photo. Frankie. So <laughs> he posts like numerous times under the, the name Frankie. Uh, in the book that I was reading, he actually had like the first homosexual encounter with this child. I mean, it wasn't really homosexual. It was homo um, like erotic, I guess, because he started feeling tinglys down in his pants and everything. Like he didn't do anything with this kid. Like this kid was in second grade. Like he was. He felt tingles in his pants, not in his penis. He has yeah. feelings in the fabric. <laughs> yeah, in the fabric. So his this kid named Frank. It was right after I think. Uh, I think Mivis was like nine, so this kid should have been like seven or eight. Um, he had, he like grew up with Frankie or Frank was his name, and his brothers had just left, and he just lost his grandma and everything, so he was pretty depressed. And this kid was running up behind him, and he said he started getting tingles in his body. And the kid was like, oh, I'm late for school. I'm glad you're late, too. Let's walk together. And he was like, you're so great. I really like you. And Frank hugged him. And that's when he felt this weird feeling like he could be my brother. He also said he looked like his half-brother who had just left. So he had this, like, longing. And then whenever this kid hugged him, he felt like, he could be a part of me. Um, yeah. And he says several times in the courts that his imaginary brother was, he called him Frankie and he would like imagine this, this little brother or, you know, brother that was a part of him, an imaginary friend pretty much uh, was nicknamed Frankie. Um, so I think it really goes back to this moment he had with this kid. Um, cause he, he uses this name all the time. Um, but so then, um, another man replies, uh, says, I'm interested if you are. So then several people answer to the ads. One, only one person like testified, but I think a few people said they actually went over there, but only one man testified that he went over there, but, Mivas didn't force him to do anything like the movie. Like he had him all tied up and he was like, you know, delving up the servings on him before he cut him. I don't know if that actually happened. Um, I didn't get too far in that book. I mean, maybe it did. Um, I sincerely hope that he didn't feed his victim to other people. Oh, God, I hope not. No, I mean, like when he's like wrapped in saran wrap and all that. Oh, yeah, I don't know if that happened either. But you know yeah, what I'm talking about, that scene where he definitely feeds him to other people? Oh, no, I didn't even – so was that really what happened? I don't think so. I hope not. I, I don't think so either. But, you know, if that really did happen and, like, you ate from someone you found out later as a cannibal, like, wouldn't you just think about it forever? 
I would definitely become a vegetarian 100%. I think I would just crave human meat for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> like that always sunny. Um... It's exactly what I was going to bring up. <laughs> like Frank, he's like, I'm craving human meat. <laughs> they're like, it's no, what, ha- meat. <laughs> what happens is Charlie keeps stealing steak out of the um, fridge that Ted and Frank share, but it's Frank's meat. Frank puts like a padlock on it, and then Dee and Charlie break in and steal it, and then after they eat another steak, or while they're eating another steak, Frank tells them that it's human meat. And then they believe him and start to think that they're craving human flesh, and they start <laughs> looking for it. <laughs> Wasn't it raccoon meat, like, at the end of all of it? It was raccoon meat, and they had tapeworms, and that's why they had that unquenchable hunger. Yeah, because they all got tapeworms. It's so yep. fucking funny. Ugh. I love it, too. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Back to this forum thing. Um, so I found something online. Uh, I need to say what website it is. So, um, oh, it was actually Harper's Magazine, which was really weird. Like but, Harper's Bazaar? Yeah. So they actually got a transcript um, from an online chat on March 6th, which the crime took place on March 9th. Um, and this was included in the book. Um, that I mentioned. And so they, it was like Brondis responded to an online advertisement saying he wanted a well-built man, 18 to 30, who would like to be eaten by me. Um, so it starts with, let me see who's who. It's pretty much how the movie is. Like with them, I guess they're texting back and forth. Right. Okay, so Cartor, let me. Well, in the movie, in the movie, they're emailing because this is before people were really texting a lot. Oh yeah. Okay. That was like 2001, right? Yeah, yeah, they were emailing. So this was on an online forum that they had posted. Uh, so Cartor 99 is the victim. Um, Brandis. And Antrophagus, Antrophagus, I don't know how to say it, is my vice. So it starts with the victim, Brondis, saying, hello. And he says, hello. Hi, Kator. <laughs> what do you do professionally that you're up so late at night? And says, I can't sleep well anymore because of our meeting. That's a sensible reason. Yesterday, I was incredibly tired. It was a stressful day. Kator says, I'm in telecommunications. My vice says, Oh, that sounds interesting. (laughs) Your accent is my favorite thing right now. (laughs) Sorry, I'm trying to do two different people and a German accent is really hard. (laughs) Okay, Kator. I believe you in Antrophagas, which is my vest, says, 
I'm looking forward to our meeting. It will definitely be, definitely be really cool. I want it to be. I hope it will be very cool. Are you setting an alarm clock? <laughs> it's only a few days until March 9th. Still, I would rather have met you yesterday and felt your teeth. One can't have everything. There's still some time before you really feel my teeth. I hardly know what to expect. Have you slaughtered a man before? Unfortunately, only in my dreams. But in my thoughts, I do it every night. So I'm the first? Have you eaten human flesh before, or have you not? No, you don't exactly find it in a supermarket, unfortunately. Fortunately. No, unfortunately. No, I know. I I said fortunately because, oh. yeah. There's been some some conspiracy theories about, you know, what happens to people. Uh, but look, anyway. Look, look, don't make me go back to being a vegetarian. I'm happy to be back <laughs> on the meat. <laughs> yeah, Morgan. <laughs> okay, back to the victim. How do you know if it will taste good to you or that the blood won't make you sick? I'm readying myself of my dreams. Once I was so excited, I grabbed a needle and drew my own blood so I could drink it. <laughs> and your blood? It tasted good for you? It was quite tasty. Once drink. I was... <laughs> drink. I'm drinking. Okay. Mm. All right. My vice. It was quite tasty. Once I was drilling some holes and the drill slipped right into my hand. That was a real treat. Blood is the juice of life. It contains everything a person needs for nutrition. Then I hope you won't wilt. That you can... <laughs> that you can really see through without a problem. To but Oh, God. All right, drink. <laughs> mm. This is hard for us, guys. Sorry. To bite into your penis will certainly not be easy. Living flesh is somewhat more resistant than fried. But one thing is certain. A dream will be fulfilled. But there's not so... M I don't know why I'm doing a British accent. But there's not so much <laughs> in it that... <laughs> that is... There is... Hold on, this is terribly translated... But there's not so much in it as there is in muscle. Yes, but the penis is principally a spongy material filled with blood. For both our sakes. <laughs> I'm going on too long. For you keep turning into Oliver Twist. <laughs> Alright, so the victim is Oliver Twist now. For both our sakes, I hope that's true. I hope you've done so already. Thoughts about what's to be done with the rest. Fulfilling the dream shouldn't become a nightmare for you. Nor will know where I've disappeared to. Please, sir, can I have some more penis? <laughs> Please, sir, Daddy wants some more sausages. <laughs> We're going to hell. <laughs> yeah. 
after you're dead, I'll take you out and expertly carve you up, except for a pair of knees and some fleshy trash, skin, cartilage, tintins. There won't be much of you left. There will be a good bit like the knees. I hope you have a great hiding place for them. <laughs> I'll dry out the knees and grind them up soon after. Okay, so I don't want to read any more. I don't uh, blame you. <laughs> but in reality, he did um, grind up the bones later and attempted to make flour. Um, he pretty much saved a lot of his body, which is horrifying. And he hid it in pizza boxes in his freezer. So... My vice met up with him on March 9th, 2001. And the crime was filmed. My vice had a, a tape recorder, just like, you know, the, the movie shows. He set up a tape recorder and it actually filmed like them meeting and everything. Um, and that's why during the first trial, we'll get to the second trial, but this is a long episode. I'm sorry. Um, so with the, the, the first thing is that they filmed everything. Like, I don't know if in reality he filled out a will like the movie, but mm. on, on this, I, I couldn't find anything about a will with Brandis. Um, but they did film the meeting, uh, they filmed, like, them drinking wine and them talking about everything they agreed to and saying that, like, you know, he really wanted to be eaten. Like, he was a, uh, self-willing participant into this, you know, uh, love story, as they called it. Right. Um, yeah. Which both of them were extremely like mentally ill at this point, I think. Uh, Absolutely. Like they were just feeding off each other, like the girls and um, heavenly creatures were. Yeah, uh, with heavenly creatures. So they're like, oh shit! What's episode four? There's a secret in my soup. (laughs) Oh yeah, another another cannibal thing. Um. But yeah, they, they're sitting around like drinking and everything. And then, um, the pills start to kick in. Like I said earlier, he had like 30 sleeping pills and pain pills, wine and schnapps. So he's pretty drunk. He's really into it and he tells them to go into it. So, um, mm, so Myvis tries to bite off his penis and Brandis is like, biting bite harder on the the videotape and he just can't get through it because it's too tough but myvis oh god he manages to uh, he like explodes his nuts he just bursts his nuts he like bites into them and this guy's like still into it and he ejaculated several times 
he's saying, well, if he can't get into it, like, let's cut it off pretty much. And he's like really, really messed up at this point. Um, I mean, I don't know if he could feel anything or if he knew what was happening. That's why later they were saying he couldn't say no after the whole thing started because he was so messed up. Because at this point, he's losing a lot of blood. Like, Mivis chomped on his penis, couldn't cut it off, but managed to, uh, you know, tear the skin, have some bleeding. Then he bit his testicles, which I don't know, the, I don't remember the medical term for it, but he pretty much, like, busted his balls in the worst way possible with his teeth. Um, yeah. And then, At this point, he's pra- he's practically castrated. Yeah. And so, he's lost at least a pint of blood. Yeah, and then he says, get the knife. So Mivis is like, I'll get a knife and cut it off. And apparently on the video, according to court testimony, the victim is saying, cut it off. So he pretty much just, like, puts it on the table and cuts it off with a knife. Mm-hmm. Um, And then both of them attempt to eat it raw. Um, and at this point, Brandis is losing a lot of blood, um, and he's getting sick and he tries to eat it, but according to like court testimony and reporters that were there and, uh, people that were on the trial, they had to watch this. They had to watch this whole fucking tape, which the, the torture or uh, you know, everything from beginning to end is about 10 hours long. Um, there's different sources that say the video is 10 hours, and then there's some that say it's two and some that say it's three. Don't know because the video has never been released, but I can't imagine them watching a 10-hour tape, but they may have because it was over five weeks of testimony and everything. So they may very well have. Um but, I feel so sorry for the jury. Yeah, like I would pass out. I yeah, I've seen some really disgusting shit, you know, in my life. But like, I don't think I could take a human biting into the penis and then cutting it off and then them eating it and then you know, like the whole thing from beginning to end. I don't think I could watch. Um, no, hell no. And I found some photos, some still photos online that are very fucking disgusting, um, that are supposedly from this video. And I wish well, I would. Your own. We will not I post know. Them. I wish I wouldn't have an, I like, I wish I didn't open them. This is why I'm like drinking right now. <laughs> like they are super disturbing. Um, it's pretty graphic and it, I don't know if they're real. I like to think they're not. I like to think this is, you know, like some college student trying to get into uh, special effects and directing. But who knows? They may be real. Um, so so he films this. Um, and at this point, the victim is bleeding out. And he says quote by many people who who saw the video said he's saying it's too tough it's too chewy is what they say so then Mivas decides to go um become a chef not just a master master butcher but a master chef 
um, which he fails at because he burns the penis. Um, <laughs> like, I mean, this long of you fantasizing, wouldn't you have like a recipe ready? I mean, I mean where do you get a recipe for skillet dick, though? Yeah, but I mean, I bet there's like some, you know, like. <laughs> I'm just saying, like. Some other animal penis that's similar. <laughs> I mean, right. sorry. Like, like, I hope it's not. But. Do you eat bull penis on, like, bizarre foods and stuff? Yeah, like, go fucking look up some Andrew Zimmern or whatever. <laughs> look up sauteed <laughs> penis, because you know he's eating it. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. So he goes in the kitchen um, while Brandis is in and out of consciousness at the table, uh, bleeding out. And he goes and cooks up some penis in a skillet with salt, pepper, and some garlic. He doesn't even add, like, wine or, you know, like, broth or anything. It's just that. Like, no, I don't even think he puts oil in the pan. It's just salt, pepper, and garlic is what I found. Well, there's uh, any <laughs> Yeah, you need, <laughs> you need some kind. Yeah. It's tough meat. You need to put, like... Like, even the victim said earlier, like, how are you going to do this? Because it's really tough. And my vis is like, I know what the penis looks like. Um, And then he fucked it all up. And he burned it. And neither of them could eat it at this point. So my vis fed it to his dog. Because they couldn't eat it because it was so burned. So then... Just a PSA. Mm-hmm. Between, like, I know we don't know for sure if the triad members from last episode fed any of her body parts to animals, but for the love of God, stop feeding humans to animals. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Ugh. Yeah, hmm. the, the last one there was a dog that was supposedly fed, but it's not substantiated. Yeah. But this one anyway, sorry, continue. Yeah, he tried he tried to feed it to his dog. You know, I don't know if that's substantiated either because that was in that was in a forum I read. I don't even think that was on the court testimony. So maybe no dogs have eaten human. No, they have. But anyway. <laughs> so, so uh at this point Brandis is like in and out of consciousness. He's lost, like you said, over a liter, probably like two or three at this point, just because he's got a raging heart on and that's where all the blood goes. Uh, so it's probably just pumping out on the floor at this point. Um, so he, or he had a raging. I was going to say, he doesn't really have that anymore. (laughs) I guess the nerve endings are still, I don't know. Phantom limb syndrome is quite real. <laughs> yeah, so maybe there is still <laughs> blood pumping in that area. Um, so he's in and out of consciousness at this point. So um, Midas actually leads him into a bathtub so he could bleed out in the bathtub. So he runs a warm bath. He, I think, kisses him on the forehead. Um and leaves him in the bath to be in and out of consciousness. Mimus is slowly slipping away. and I mean, uh, Brandis is slowly slipping away. 
Mindus goes off and reads a Star Trek book of all things while he's like waiting for his food to marinate, I guess. So he comes back, checks him to see if he's still alive. Um, on the video, apparently with like court case, they can't tell if he is um, conscious or not. They, they think he's like, you know, in and out of it. But Mivis eventually kisses him on the forehead again and stabs him in the throat. Yeah. Um, and leads, leaves him in the bathtub to kind of bleed out so it won't be as messy. And all of this is being done in a, like the movie shows, like a makeshift killing room. Like all of this is in a killing room. It's not in a fancy kitchen or a dining room with like china laid out or anything. Um, yeah. it is like, in, yeah it's like it's not romantic at all like you could have put some candelabras some nice jazz music whatever (laughs) but he doesn't choose to do that um so he bleeds out eventually um he he dies from the the throat stabbing and all the other things so then he takes him um, like the cattle he watched being butchered as a child, he took him and hung him up from his legs, um, on hooks. He did go at his leg at first, I think. He, he, he got greedy and like chopped off some meat at first and tried to cook it and didn't go well. So then he hangs him up from hooks. According to court testimony and some nasty ass pictures that I don't recommend anyone finding, like, um, he decapitated him and split him from bottom down. Um, and he, then he separated him like cattle, pretty much. Um, and back to that, uh, website, the cannibal website, there are, there were, um, cattle sales and it was women being offered as cattle on this website and it was oh my god pretty fucking disgusting um uh, yeah yeah it, i mean according to mivis like now he says there's like over 800 cannibals in germany alone i don't know how true that is well my I, thinking is that's probably how many people he knew of on the forum but just think about how many people alone, like, backed out on being eaten by him. I'm sure yeah. most of these people haven't actually practiced cannibalism. Yeah, it's just a fetish. You know, yeah. Like a fucked up fetish. I mean, everybody's right. got their kinks or whatever, but, like. Exactly. Uh, we don't kink shame here unless you're a cannibal. Yeah, like a <laughs> real cannibal. Like, yeah. uh, you know. Nibble, haha, nibble on me. But like, you know, like don't literally nibble on me because that's fucked up. Um, so yeah, he, he cuts him up. He portions him out and apparently he had over 40 pounds of meat that lasted him over a year. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually in December 2002, so the crime happened in March of 2001. Um, he was eventually caught in December 2002 because he had pretty much posted like, I'm out of meat. I need another person. Uh, I couldn't find the exact posting on there. Um, but he was 
posting new advertisements for um for new victims and he posted a lot of detailed uh stuff about the killing and yeah. a college brook I a college student from Innsbruck uh called the police because he saw this and um then the police came, searched his home and found a bunch of body parts, uh the killing room and the videotape. So the smoking videotape. Yeah. He <laughs> went immediately to jail and then he was on trial. I think at the end of 2003 until January, because January 30th, 2004, he was he was actually convicted of manslaughter and sentenced to only eight and a half years in prison. Mm-hmm. Um, they were saying that since uh, Brondis was a willing participant, it was pretty much like a mercy kill. And it was only manslaughter because he was assisting with suicide, pretty much. Um, but then this case, like, blew up. Um, and there were several debates. People were talking about this, saying, like, so messed up. He murdered this guy. He willingly and knowingly, um, like, participated in this. So... Not only was he, you know, culpable, but he was also responsible to go to the, you know, the right place to get this guy some help, but he didn't. So, and they were also saying that since he was on so many drugs and so much alcohol, maybe if afterwards he probably would say stop or like no, but since he's so messed up in the videos and like, passing in and out and not making much sense they said he couldn't willingly say no or couldn't you know possibly say no because he was like dying and in and out of consciousness and fucked up on a lot of drugs and liquor so so after this this was 2004 that he was uh convicted to only eight and a half years in prison so then in 2005 in April um they or, the German courts ordered a retrial and the prosecutors said that he should have been convicted of murder because of all these things and that no matter if Frandis agreed to his killing um it was probably him being incapacitated from alcohol, drugs, and his mental health issues that he was unable to say no. So after that trial, he was sentenced to life in prison. And he's currently in, I think it's Vessen. Uh, I don't remember what prison. I think it's Vessen. Or if that where he's from. Oh, I don't know. I can't find it. Um, but he is in prison and he has now become a vegetarian. Yep, and I, I get that. As you said. <laughs> He's the laundry guy in the jail. Yeah. Not the kitchen cook. Thank God. Uh yeah. Um, I'd be afraid, like, toenail clippings would end up in there or something. 
<laughs> yeah, or his, uh, his jizz. <laughs> oh, gross. Oh, I'm a part of you forever. <laughs> That's a whole different, that brings a whole different meaning to man gravy. Yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. You're welcome. <laughs> no, but, yeah, so he's actually eligible for parole, I believe. Um, yeah, I think... Because after 15 years of jail, he's eligible for parole. Um, I haven't, I didn't even find anything about him, you know, trying to get parole. Because this was from 2004, five. So, from what I've read, he doesn't seem to trust himself to be out in the world. So I think he wants to stay in prison. Yeah, yeah. So. I know that in this book, he said he still had fantasies. Um, I don't know when the book was written, but, I mean, they don't want him out because he's been alerted as a possible reoffender. Because, I mean, this is, this is his fucking kink. And if he finds someone that shares that kink, oh, of course. Yeah. Once you eat human flesh, you don't go back. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Oh, Unless you're in prison and you can't. <laughs> yeah, and it, like it's just so disturbing that you know a ten year old would think about cannibalism this way. He mentioned like Robinson Crusoe, and how like in the book they're talking about this story of two men on a boat together, and then one of them dies, and. He's tempted to eat him, and then he's like, no, I shouldn't. Yeah, you know what? He's actually not the only killer that I've read about that's had, like, a weird obsession with Robinson Crusoe. It's it's so strange. Like, I mean, with the whole, like, that's a completely different scenario, though, from, you know, from him and um, Jeffrey Dahmer. Like, Jeffrey Dahmer didn't want anybody to leave him. They want, he wanted people to be there forever in the same state um, to be beautiful and to be, like, his perfect plaything or whatever. And well, yeah, but he tried to turn them into zombies by, like, lobotomizing them. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, later in his crime spree. The first few weren't sex zombies right the first um, ones he wanted just to them to be a part of him forever because he knew he couldn't have them yeah but once uh more than one tries to run away you kind of end up murdering them and then you yeah it got <laughs> out of hand rather quickly <laughs> <laughs> yeah but like with the whole forever thing um and then, you know, someone starving to death on a boat, I think, are two completely different points of view. Like, one's for, you know, sustaining yourself to live, and the other is, like, yeah. this deep, fucked-up desire to have, you know, fantasy of someone to be with you forever. Absolutely. Which I, I mean, don't want anybody to be with me forever. Like, I get sick of myself all the time. I wouldn't want someone stuck with me. Yeah, like, I, I love my boyfriend, but I'm sure he's glad to have days where he just gets to, like, play video games and doesn't have to see me. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. I annoy the fuck out of everybody, like my coworkers and definitely Andrew, even my pets. Like, I couldn't imagine, you know, like having someone to be stuck with me forever. Like, I mean, I love Andrew and I know Andrew wants to be with me, but like to be with me forever, like that's like forever, ever. Yeah, like everywhere I go, like I mean, ever annoying. Everyone needs space. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, it's fucked up. I don't know, but I really suggest people reading this book, or at least reading excerpts from this book. It's it's pretty good. Yeah. So we're pretty much done with the story. And so um, we're not going to linger too long because this has already been an epically long episode. Um, so <laughs> we're just going to, excuse me, we're just going to kind of wrap it up with some exciting news going forward. Woo! Yeah. Yeah. So um, the next episode that we're going to do is going to be on the 2015 film Child 44 and Andre Chikatilo. Andre Chikatilo. As the guys on the last podcast on the left would say, he's a heavy hitter. <laughs> and um, so this may be a two-parter because of how extensive his crimes are. You know, he, so far, we've only done people that have committed, like, one murder. Um, but Andre Chikatilo is a bona fide serial killer. He has one of the highest body counts of serial killers known to man. Um, so it may very well be a two-parter. It will be epically long, probably longer than this. Um, He's so, fucking terrifying. Oh yeah, so prepare you guys. So prepare for that, guys. Um, I will say this. Uh, other exciting news besides Child Forty Four. Um, I don't know. I can't tell you anything about what episode we'll do with this person yet. But um, one of my podcast idols, Keith McNally. Um, <laughs> Has agreed to do an episode with us. I'm so excited. I discovered Keith's little podcast, XO, way over a decade ago, back when I was in college, and I became a little bit obsessed with it. I loved every episode. Um, and just on a whim, I was listening to two of my favorite episodes that I've listened to of his podcast literally probably a thousand times, and I just on a whim, emailed him, and he was super cool about it. He's listened to the podcast. He counts himself as a fan now, and he agreed to do an episode with us. I told him that he could pick the movie slash crime, and um, he's just going to interject, and we're going to cover it the same way we normally do. He'll just have fun interjections, and we're so super excited to have Keith on a future episode. Like, so yeah. And um, um at, what's his uh podcast again? Sorry if I can hear him. Uh, he has several different ones. He works on one of his friends that's called the horror you know what? 
disregard that. I can't remember what this, the other one's called at the moment. His main one, well, he has, okay, he's got a bunch, but the one I just mentioned is called the EXO. Um, I think you can only find it on iTunes because it's archived, but he told me that he will probably make some new episodes for it in the near future and that he'll make it available for at least Spotify. So that's exciting. Um, again, so you'll just have to Google his name, which is Keith McNally and XO, if you want to find um, some of the old episodes of that podcast. It's great. Um, he's, I think he's written a book, too. Just Google his name. You'll find him. Um, super cool guy. Uh, as always, well, I guess there's only been one other episode with it, but as always, um, our theme song is done by my friend Lee Andrus. Go check out his band Goner on Spotify. Um, anything you want to say, Morgan? Um, uh, no, no, I, no. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Oh, okay. Ooh, I, I have one. Okay. okay. So if anybody has any ideas for movies they won't cover that are based on true crimes, um, definitely post them on the Facebook or Instagram page. Smash that like and follow. Like, I just really want to see people, like, you know, getting into it and posting, like, what we should cover. Um, yeah, that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, um, we're also going to be posting little mini-sodes on Patreon pretty soon. Each of us separately are going to do, like, a list of um, crimes that we would like to be seen made into horror movies. Yes. I have yeah. a lot. Well, we're going to do like a little fiver, little little list of five. And so just edit that down in your own time and send it to me and I'll put it on the Patreon. Heck yes. Yeah. So get excited with that, guys. And, uh, yeah. Peace out. Bye. Bye. Uh, Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.